Blog Talk Radio. of Off the Rails Uncensored. And Pizza Simpson will be joining us in about a half hour, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and significant other, ladies and uh, he just rents a space and he's nice to look at. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, of the Grand Wrestling Jury, tonight... We got much to discuss, and I will let Pizza Simpson do his thing on NXT. I will allow, for the time being, for me to relay to you what happened on WWE Raw, SmackDown Live, and um, NXT. Most importantly... Now, there's a lot to be talked about tonight regarding both WWE and AEW. So let's get things started, shall we? <clears throat> we can't have a party if you know we don't discuss WWE Raw first and foremost. I did take some notes, ladies and gents. I took some notes. Thing is how there's a 25 city tour coming up. We fans have noticed that we are anxious to get out and see what's been a um, craptacular show or a good show. So really, at this point, <clears throat> it's up in the air. Let's just say that. So let me start off. Let's see here now. That's not what I meant. What I meant was it's either a good show or a bad show. At this point, I think people are just anxious to get the fuck out of their houses and go see a wrestling show to answer that question. Um, you know, I'm getting a lot of questions. But I don't know. There's a contract signing. June 7th, Yellowing Center in Tampa. The Thunderdome begins. Randy Orton comes out, and with Matt Riddle, they make their way to the ring. So, so AJ Styles and thanks everyone. You know, thank you for coming out. They'll be defending their titles live and in person. Is a very good he has to offer. <clears throat> Styles continues to talk about tag teams, blah, blah, blah. Okay. The Viking Raiders are all about getting paid. So, okay. Kofi Kingston says Styles and Omos are detestable and booty. I wrote that in my notes, too. So, 
The Miz music hits. Okay. Miz says he's sorry to interrupt. Miz and Morrison. So basically, Orton Riddle hit the New Day with RKO's. Okay, that's interesting. And commercial break. When he comes back from commercial, Bobby Lashley and MVP. A VIP suite with the women. Okay. Frog Tag Team Champions AJ Styles and Omos are on commentary. I figured that much. So Tag Team Battle Royal, Randy Orton and Riddle versus the Viking Raiders versus the New Day and Xavier Woods with Xavier Woods. Okay. And versus T-Bar and Mace versus Lindsay Dorado versus John Morrison. Lord have mercy. So this was a cluster to begin with. Okay. The Viking Raiders. <clears throat> Interesting enough, I mean, they haven't been on TV in quite some time, dude. I mean, the last time I saw them, they were chasing the New Day around. They're having those weird vignettes. And everything. So they're the new number one contenders for the Raw Tag Team Championships. Okay, that's interesting. So, footage from Nikki Cross defeating Raw Women's Championship Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair, back-to-back two-minute beat-the-clock challenges. Officials Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville are talking when Charlotte Flair walks up. So, yes, okay. Oh, Lord. <laughs> pairing Ripley and Flair. That's an interesting pairing, you know. Uh... The footage is shown of the Viking Raiders winning the Tag Team Battle Royal. The Viking Raiders are chopping each other. It should be the War Raiders, not Viking Raiders, for fuck's sake. But that's besides the point. So, the Viking Raiders are chopping each other, saying they're ready for the raid. His name is Ivar now. What the fuck? Says the turkey legs are on him. Okay. Almost as eating a turkey leg in style, says the Viking Raiders aren't into uh, electricity or deodorant. Well, this may be true. <clears throat> Alexa Bliss was changed by the darkness. Yeah, that one, I like what they're doing with Alexa Bliss. To be honest with you, I think it gives the show flavor instead of the bland, generic shit that they have been doing. By bland, generic, I mean, okay, promo. Okay, let's rewind and recap what happened last week, and then let's go straight to another interview, and let's go straight to another match after the interview that had nothing to do <clears throat> with the match, or sometimes they interview into a match, which is not uncommon for professional wrestling. Anyways, Elias is in the ring and strums a chord on his guitar. Elias greets the WWE. Yeah, he greeted the WWE Universe. I don't like saying Thunderdome. Okay. And then the Tron shows Elias leaving Jackson Riker the almost last week on Raw. You guys talked about seeing the ghosts of war in Ryder's eyes, but you can see a man that would go to battle for him. Yeah. So, <clears throat> Jackson Riker attacks Elias from behind. Zach Ryder, oh, Zach Riker. Are you sure? Okay, I was going to say, <laughs> isn't Matt Cardona going one-on-one the topic for a different day? So, anyways, after reading through this, it says... It was an Elias versus Jackson Riker and the winner. So, <clears throat> boy, he pulled up and hit Bobby Lashley with a one-arm spine buster. Holy fuck. And the winner by countout was Jackson Riker. 
Jackson and Riker scream the device, and a huge gloop of snot and saliva come out of his mouth. <laughs> kind of, yeah. That was gross. So there's a video package of Drew McIntyre beating Kofi Kingston. You know, last week on WWE Raw. And then there's a WWE title contract signing. So Ring had, you know, set up with tables as normal for a contract signing and wrestling, okay? So MVP cuts off McIntyre and apologizes for being fashionably late, as usual. So they signed the contract, and MVP asked Pierce if it'll be notarized. And Pierce said, yep, it will be. Lashley then says, McIntyre can't beat him. Okay, then I guarantee you something happened on this show, right? So Schreiber is backstage with Nikki Cross. Cross team. Okay, so what happened at the end? So he grabs the Claymore sword, splits the table off, and once Lashley is shocked. I wouldn't be. I mean, it's a big-ass sword. All right. Sarah Schreiber is Sarah Schreiber is backstage with Nikki Cross. Okay, United States Champion Sheamus is at ringside. Ricochet and Puerto Carrillo make their entrances. Footage is shown of them beating Sheamus last week. Ricochet and Carrillo, number one contenders match: Ricochet versus Humberto Carrillo. So it was a double countout. So I'm guessing they both face him now. Which you know, whatever. <clears throat> it's the whole thing with the the whole feud with Ricochet and Sheamus is is actually pretty funny. So I would just like to point out that um, if you run out of shit, don't be afraid. I mean, there's always somebody to get a booking, right? Right? So there's a double countout. So the New Day are talking backstage. MVPS talks to Kofi Kingston. Kingston tells they will handle MVP. And he says, yeah, he's impressed with uh, Kofi. He also, I remember MVP cry like a baby when Kofi won the championship, that's for sure. And that was back when I went to the last WrestleMania, WrestleMania 35, when Kofi Mania prevailed and Becky Lynch won the Raw Women's Championship. Awesome stuff, right? He shook hands with McIntyre. I mean, he was comfortable with Lula. Okay, cool. Eva Marie will return next Monday. Okay, skip past that little tidbit. What did just show? Okay, Randy Orton eliminating Kofi. Kingston will face Riddle later. So Jeff Hardy versus Cedric Alexander. Thank God Jeff Hardy beat Cedric Alexander. Okay, pencil tag team championship match. I wish tag team match with Nikki Cross and Asuka. Wow, that's a fantasy pairing right there come true. Versus Raw Women's Champion Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. Okay, so this match... It started off with a near fall with Nikki Cross rolling up, rolling up uh, Ripley 1-2 and then a kick out. And then Asuka elbowed out. So there's a lot of counters, a lot of back and forth. A lot of... Both teams. Okay, Kofi Kingston was Xavier Woods versus Matt Riddle. 
Okay. Kingston kills off the victory. Trouble in Paradise would win. Okay. Alexa's Playground. So Alexa's sitting in the swing. Shayna Baszler comes down. She knocked out the rocking horse. What a bitch. Then Bliss said, that wasn't very nice. Oh, she starts speaking to the doll. I wrote notes about this. She started speaking to the doll and said, oh, you know, people can change. Bliss said she would never do such a thing. Bliss wants them to be friends. Okay. Basically, grabs Lily out of Bliss's hands and apologizes to Lily for being a stupid doll. Okay, yeah. Baszler's backstage and lights are still flickering. Right in the middle of he's nearly following her. So there's some weird shit going down. Okay, Baszler sees Lily in the mirror, but turns and isn't there. So they've involved Shayna in a horrible, horrible story, right? Okay. My head hurts just from reading WWE Raw. But I do have some notes on NXT and <clears throat> SmackDown Live. Okay. My take on Raw. It was nice before Hell in a Cell, right? Most exclusive pay-per-view, but you know what? I wrote notes, damn it. And SmackDown Live, what happened? So, so let's see. So it starts off with a replay of what happened last week on SmackDown Live, or Friday Night SmackDown. Usos versus Ray and Dominic as tag team titles in the second match. <clears throat> Roman tells Jay he saved them, Jimmy. Uso calls out Roman Reigns and says, hey, you know, why don't you come down the ring and prove that, you know, I belong with you. And then Kevin Owens, it starts up with a match. Go figure, right? Smackdown Live to the rescue. Kevin Owens and Big E versus Sami Zayn and Apollo Crews. <clears throat> it was a waterfall finish. There's a lot of near falls, and then finally Kevin Owens with the stunner, one, two, three. Cruz then challenges Owens with Aziz, and then Sam, and the Nigerian Spike was given to Sami Zayn for his troubles trying to get one up from the ship on Apollo Cruz. Alright. Then there's a SmackDown rewind. Chad Gable comes to apologize to the Street Problems. was not a rewind. That was in live living color. Montez Ford was then baited by Chad Gable. She's like, he goes, uh, apologize for Otis. He's a bit out of control. And uh, he, I didn't tell him to make you guys apologize. He just did that on his own volition. Not quite in those words, but you can tell that that shit was not, you know, part of the plan, if you will. So then Gable baited Ford into a match. Gable promised that he won't bring Otis. He wouldn't bring Otis to ringside if Dawkins wasn't brought to ringside. So it kind of came through with his promise, but not really. Roman Reigns and asked Jay Uso where Jimmy is, and Jay said he's in our locker room. Carmella versus Liv Morgan, the Oblivion. Carmella, or not Carmella, from Liv Morgan. My apologies. Bailey didn't have the ding dong hello show. 
which annoyingly was just laughter with Seth Rollins and saying, oh, you know, you were right about your opponent. She sucks eggs. And Seth Rollins' high-pitched, annoying, you know, banter and laughter or whatever. But Cesaro interrupted, got his revenge on Seth. And Bianca Belair just straight-up laughed at Bailey and her shit. Fun shit. All right, Bianca Belair did it, having a bunch of virtual boards laugh at her. She just laughed at her naturally. All right, recap. <clears throat> there was a recap of Friday Night SmackDown with the tag title match with Roman's interference. Okay, then there was an interview with Ray about Reigns' attack on Dominic, and he said, I'm going to go get, you know, stand out of the ring, do I know best. And you had Nakamura versus Corbin. Nakamura snatched Corbin's crown after beating him, which is kind of funny. And then Corbin storms in the back and says, I'm not working with this guy, you know, blah, 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 unless I get my crown back, okay? Give you a crown back, just, you know, when you're well and ready. So it's a bow for the crown. Roman meets Jimmy Uso in Uso's locker room. They call that Roman. Roman answered. Allow me to tell you this factoid about Roman Reigns. Most people hated the idea that he was a babyface for the longest. Now they're hating the idea of how they're booking him as a heel. Make up your minds. Very hard to do. Oh, I do have NXT notes. Let me uh, get to those, shall we? <clears throat> so... The very first thing that goes down on NXT is not only is promo for the Fatal Five Way, but <clears throat> you guys, Austin Theory and uh, Oni Larkin had a match with Pete Dunn. And Pete Dunn came in, so there's interference on both sides. So it ended up <clears throat> between Austin Theory and Oni Larkin. That match was so technical and so crisp. But I wouldn't say it was the greatest of all matches after, you know, watching the replay and actually watching it live. I kind of had a hard time paying attention. But anyways, it was chaos. But I thoroughly enjoy, right? LA Knight was doing a serious promo on how he'd become the next legacy for the Million Dollar Man. Cameron Grimes did a promo. I swear to God, he's channeling his inner Jerry Lawler. He literally is, you know, when it comes to being comical in some instances. Santos Escobar and Bronson Reed. I don't... <laughs> this whole David being heel and Goliath being, you know, babyface or whatever. Is it possible? Is it possible? So then, <clears throat> after that confrontation, and Bronson Reed showing a million times that he ran over a small dude. There's a Candace in the Hartwell interview, and then he got distracted with thoughts of uh, Dexter Loomis again. And then Dexter Loomis showed Poppy his art, <clears throat> and as a one dude said on Dark Side of the Ring, all hail broke loose. Now, Ted DiBiase made the announcement that in, at NXT TakeOver in your house, there'll be a ladder match. 
get the million dollar belt, the legacy belt that is. It's just funny. Cannot wait. Then security was shown breaking up fight between Karrion Cross and Kyle O'Reilly. And then Candace promoted about Poppy as they came back from commercial, right? And then Poppy comes out and says, I don't wrestle, but my friend does. Io Shirai, the genius of the sky, has returned to WWE ever since that cage match with uh, Candace. And then Doc Hendricks came out and promoted NXT TakeOver in your house for the Sunday you can catch it live on Peacock, he says. And you can also catch it live on a piece of paper in my pocket. Oh, no. Sorry. Man, let's see here. Ember Moon versus Dakota Kai. That match was very back and forth and very intriguing. Until Raquel Gonzalez got involved. And uh, that was the match. Ember Moon then hits the Eclipse. On Raquel Gonzalez after her post-match beating. All right, and then the Fatal Five-Way confrontation was shortly thereafter. Back down line on June 11th. The Usos and Dominic for uh, Usos versus Ray and Dominic for the tag the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championships. I just begin to believe that it is what it is. It's very concrete and it may be routine, but I mean they must be doing something right. Now, I've got about eight minutos before Pizza Simpson joins in on this shindig. <clears throat> so, NXT move dates, and people were all about how. Oh, you know, NXT is not going to last long. They're not going to do well against AEW. I got a newsflash for you all. I mean, I'm going to get into this later on in my rant. But if you want to know numbers, I can give them to you. AEW was down 19.5% with only 462,000 viewers. They also lost out to the presidential debate. So for those clinging to the fact that they're going to go to live show, they're going to go the shows in St. Louis and New Jersey and whatever. Do whatever the fuck you want, man. Numbers don't lie. Both WWE and AEW. So, I mean, I'm going to partake in inviting my co-host here in just a few minutes, but before I do, if you'd like to join a pro wrestling school, you know, they're opening back up a lot of things. They might even open up the super camps again at Monster Factory. Invest in yourself if you want to become a professional wrestler, referee, bell keep, announcer, commentator, journalist, interviewing, backstage interviewer. Monster Factory will give you the tools you need to succeed. Believe me, guys, Monster Factory is one of the best schools when it comes in the nation, when it comes to professional wrestling and training and actually gaining attention to their school because look who they train. Matt Riddle, Sheamus, Lewis, you know, 
I'm going to say Dean Douglas, Shane Douglas, the Douglas Brothers Trainman, D.L. Brown. I got to say, watching wrestling, sometimes, you know, when you, even when you cram watch it, parts of it that are um, decent to watch and then there are parts of it just make you go okay now I just got to report it <laughs> hadn't been that way with the NXT or Smackdown I was impressed Raw okay well the guy split a table with a fucking sword how often do you get to see that right. oh and Monster Factory by the way sorry to continue the advertisement just for a little bit if you have any questions comments concerns the number is open You know, make sure you check them out at www.monsterfactory.org. So, there's been a ratings drop all across the board. One may make the excuse that they moved their time slot due to the NBA playoffs. Another may make their ca- plead their case and say, "Well, we're not changing. We're just going to do what works, and you can't fix." What doesn't want to be fixed So I mean there's very few things That some may think need to be fixed And there's a lot of people Who know what needs to be fixed In order to get the numbers back up As far as ratings go Okay It's not just about the rating It's The quality of product that you put out there So Three minutes folks If you're ready you know For the first edition of Slice of Pizza Coming at you Okay And I gotta tell you I love this new co-host Because not only is he loyal He's very on time Very punctual And he keeps me in line Which is very hard to do Well Maybe not so hard to do <clears throat> So We're gonna get this party started In about two minutes But like I said If If WWE and AEW Want Best out of their fan bases And here's the thought The quality's not bad on Smackdown Live WWE Raw Is and will forever be The show, the flagship show For WWE because it's been there for God no, 30, yeah, 33 years That's a long ass time For a TV show folks While we're waiting for Pizza Simpson, we will use this time to pause for station identification right here on Off the Rails Uncensored. Lord, I don't need. All right. <clears throat> yep. So, folks, I see you. Sounds a bit disoriented. It's all good. You know, we all have our days, right? He's t- a bit tired from work, you know, a bit tired from work, so... We're going to pause 10 seconds for station identification right here on Off the Rails Uncensored.
All righty then. So, <clears throat> like I said, after watching both companies, and I know there's NWA, I know there's Impact, but I also know there's Ring of Honor. We're all well aware of New Japan, APJW, several companies. But now that the pandemic is slowly but surely dissipating, you know, the vaccines and all that shit, why don't we to inform you on something? The reason for the dip in ratings does not have anything to do with the NBA playoffs, all right? And I'm going to save this rant before Pizza Simpson slides on in to go on live air. But just a little preview. Just a little snippet snippet, if you will. The reason for wrestling's dip in ratings for both companies is as follows. Even Vince McMahon has you know, admitted himself to a few people, a few insiders, if you will, that WWE needs new talent. Well, they all they've been alternating the stories with Kofi. They've been trying to implement more action and less promo and the lack thereof. And he's even getting in on the act of picking up the microphone. Even if it's just for a brief, like, hot second, like, you think you're done with me carrying cross, blah, blah, blah. We're, we're four midgets going up against a big guy. Holy fuck, those guys are small. But they have so much talent. Who cares about their height? <clears throat> Kidding it is. If you want to compete, and this is just an outsider's point of view in professional wrestling, and get ratings again, maybe just maybe if you mix things up, not like the almighty that tournament, boxing tournament with Bark on. Okay, that's how you kill ratings. You can't keep going back to the well of attitude era and expecting to come up with. A pail of water. There's got to be a semblance, if you will, of, okay, we did this last week, so it didn't quite work. What do you guys think we should try? Isn't that what a good representative asks or a team lead or a manager asks their workers? What can I do to fix it for you And it cannot be unreasonable Also Professional wrestling live on TV Like let's say you're watching This past episode of Smackdown Live Well hell dude For the first time Before Any kind of prelude to a pay-per-view Smackdown Live Actually Catered and pandered to what the fans wanted to see. So, what does this mean for wrestling fans? Then, now, and forever? I don't know. It just means that the ratings for both shows have significantly dropped because there's a lot of people that are figuring out, oh, I can go to the lake or I can buy wrestling tickets. There are no in-betweens when it comes to 
bad ratings. Sometimes we must shop for ideas. Boy, am I shopping hard. I'm just kidding. So, I find it interesting that you know, AEW is losing out to presidential debate. I also find it funny that NXT, in the very first match they have, is very technical, very, um, very wrestly. <laughs> Oni Larkin and Kyle O'Reilly. <sighs> Sorry if I seem loopy, but when you open a show like that, it had to have the elements of Gargano undone. You knew that was going to happen. All right, so. <laughs> About five minutes in And uh, Pizza Simpson said he will be joining us Shortly And I just have to tell you I haven't had this kind of call since Buku Dao But I will you know I'll entertain the fact that <laughs> He's my new co-host And God love him dude He's amazing Pizza Simpson Where you at my friend Oh, <laughs> like I said, he's, he's taking care of uh, some stuff. He had a rough day at work, so be fair warned, folks. You know, when you have <clears throat> tough times, if you will, it's better to release your kind of energy here on Off the Rails Uncensored or Wrestle Radio Network. But please, I ask that you call into my show somewhat normal. That's all. That's the requirement. Anyways, back to what I was saying for oh wait, right? Speak of the pizza. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show my first call like this since Buku Dow. I mean <laughs> Pizza Simpson. How's it hanging? Oh buddy. Hello, hello. I was able to pull myself away from the pool. And put the pina coladas down, and uh, here I am, pal. I was just um, going briefly over a synopsis of Raw SmackDown Live and NXT. I gotta say, man, I'm not cram watching replays ever again. That was, you know, even though it was a condensed time period for each show, I must say that's a lot of wrestling for for me to take notes on. For me, at least. <laughs> um, I have to give it to you for being able to sit through that much WWE, especially in one big sitting. So that, my friend, deserves a prize or just some kind of recognition because that is torture. I... 100% agreeing with you because I the craziest shit that I've ever seen is like half awake and I see McIntyre pull a sword out and cut a table in half. <laughs> I, was like, I was just like, dude, 
I commend Vince okaying that because, you know, at least kids are out of school so they won't take a yardstick and try to break it over te- or break the teacher's desk in half. So, I am. Um, given I, that I did the the crotch chop in high school because I saw it on TV, I would I would confidently say I would attempt to try to cut my uh, teacher's desk in half with a, a yardstick. I completely agree with that, my friend. <laughs> because just like um, they're trying to get advertisement, you know, because they are going to be going live, and boy, they. The crowd's going to get I, – I know the wrestlers are ready for it. They're ready to get out of Florida, and they're ready to have some fun. You know, even if the crowd will boo the, the ever-living shit out of them or cheer, they will fucking cheer. I don't care who you are. They, even if the show is shit-tastic. They have, we have not seen a show live. Some of us who would not go to WrestleMania 37, I believe. Yeah, because 38th in Arlington. Um I believe the term is goes like we're just happy to see you fuckers because, <laughs> because honestly I don't if wow if Bill Alfonso can reunite ECW and have like a show because now people can go to shows now if they're you know even if they're not fully vaccinated they can still go what I'm getting at is folks well, despite the shitty material that you see on TV that is WWE or AEW, um, how do I put this? It's nice to see live shit. I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Um, I'm I'm aching to see something live, and it would definitely be fun and just just to be a part of that buzz and that excitement. It's just forgotten. Yeah, because it's like, what do we do now? We're not on a virtue. We're not being told what to cheer for, what to who to boo. Like, <laughs> I still, I still reminiscing about the time you told me what well, a commentary team got on to me about like what to do. I'm like, dude, you know, that's all kinds of fucked up. But who cares? Because it's like crying over spilled milk. Um, if you go to a live event, like I, I used to, dude, religiously go. To SummerSlam and religiously go to. Well, I still am religiously going to WrestleMania. I don't give a fuck. I got hooked on the feeling of just being there. And two, I think it wise if people realize, okay, after the first few shows, we can go back to whatever assessment we have of WWE. Which I have a feeling the East Coast is not going to hold back. And I think that Vince and everyone and their brother's mother know well. The East Coast, we're they're going to be picky with us. You damn right. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're East Coast, Midwest, South, South Central, whatever region professional wrestling travels to. I think it's going to be monumental because for a year, excluding the shit that was WrestleMania 37, which was, you know, okay, up and down. We wanted the results. Some of them came true. Some things were very confusing. But and in the end, I told my friends that I watched WrestleMania at a party. I said to them, I go, it's just nice to hear boos and natural tears uh, versus canned heat and like fill in booze, which is such a crock of shit. 
Yeah, I, uh, you know, it's so funny that you say that because I try to be a little bit more optimistic, and I do agree that the canned heat is very, very annoying, but I don't remember, I'm not sure if you recall the uh, world's greatest wrestling match between Edge and Randy Orton from the old, you know, from the um, earlier in the pandemic, I kind of enjoyed all the the piping crowd thing noises and whatnot and little things and it just kind of made it kind of ridiculous and I know that every match couldn't be like that but I enjoyed it. That is the one time I I, I did I would say during this whole pandemic era. I'd say that like the envelope was pushed with Edge and Orton. Because I feel like it wasn't, I mean, not in a bad way either, because we've seen worse from Attitude Era, okay? We <laughs> we have seen worse, okay? The whole, you know, crucifixion of Stephanie McMahon, Austin getting crucified by Undertaker. What I'm getting at, folks, is the canned heat uh, and the canned cheers, you know, for Orton and Edge at WrestleMania. That match, it told a story, so... I must tell you, it was nice. I just leave it at that. <laughs> so um, I read that I read that uh, tickets are not being sold really fast. Tickets aren't flying out of Kansas City for Monday Night Raw. How do you feel about that? Uh, my personal take on it is when. You know, give it time. It's going to probably take a lot of promotion on the radio, a lot of overhaul, telling, okay, we'll sell tickets at this price, man, if you just get your asses in gear and go. It's a lot fucking harder when the product they show, there's no big names. Like, okay, if The Rock was to come or Bray Wyatt shows up, which I've heard a lot of shit that they're keeping him off TV for a reason. Maybe he might show up to Kansas City, and then people are going to – the wrestling fans only will be like, oh, man, I missed out on Bray Wyatt. Not just him, but there's no fucking big names. You need big names if you're going to advertise a fucking show like this. Okay? You know, it's unfair because the East Coast garners names like Mick Foley – or even Triple H will come from behind the curtain, or Shawn Michaels, or DiBiase, who's on NXT right now. Like, oh, we're going to get into NXT, pal. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> what, what I'm saying is, like, you need big names in order for you to get people to show up to your shit. And it's just my personal opinion. It'll take time, but they will. You know, I agree with you. And I feel that Kansas City doesn't get good bras. And from my experience of going to a few WWE shows, the I don't know if you remember the old days segment that happened in Kansas City, and it was quite boring to sit through. So I'm sure that there's a lot of people in this area who sat through some boring-ass stuff who might be a little skeptical of sitting through something dumb, especially in this time where the pandemic, it's, it's not raging, but it's not gone. So I don't want to risk my ass for seeing maybe Alexa Bliss and Lily. 
I don't want to see the spooky doll. Let's see, that's the thing. Like, that's the only thing going for it right now. And why they're keeping Bray off TV is the purpose that they're focusing on Alexa Bliss and the fact that Lashley and McIntyre and MVP has literally had to help carry that fucking segment. It seems like it repeats itself in a goddamn cycle without McIntyre going apeshit and smashing a table with a fucking sword, which was amazing, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) It's just... It's fucking, you're right, because Kansas City gets robbed of a good Raw, and some people, the only fucking people that seem to fucking understand this shit are either the real smart fans, aka the Smarks, or the Mark who read everything Meltzer says, and even if they don't read Meltzer, they still, you don't have to be a genius to know WWE logic. And when they come to Kansas City, it seems <laughs> like, they they just come off a really cool raw like the one time they were in St. Louis and Braun Strowman and Big Show had a match and Big Show crumpled the ring again as usual. It's not uncommon for that even if he's in AEW doesn't matter. The 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 point I'm trying to get at folks is every time before Kansas City there's only been a few on a hand that I can count that were good Raws. You know, the the time that DX actually, well, okay, when the New Age Outlaws formed um, back in 1997 or 98, and Honky Tonk was fired as the roadies manager, and Billy Gunn joined forces, and then you got the creation of D-Generation X's team, the New Age Outlaws. Or the time after Pillman's death, which was such an awkward raw when uh, Pillman's wife was interviewed. Fucking shit. And, okay, the raw, there were plenty of raws that were great, but it's just, you got to pick and choose, you know, the live shows that were used to be at uh, Kemper. Um, There's a shit ton of fucking things to talk about, but when it comes to raw, Boy, Kansas City seldom has memories of good Raws because I remember going to a show, dude, when there was 8,000 people out of a 23,000-seat house. And it was sad to see the tarp up around the fucking place. And I'm just going to cut it short by saying, um, not the show, but (laughs) get your shit better. It's going to have to. It really, really, really is going to have to because I really feel that me personally as a fan, I'm not going to want to call, you know, take a sick day from work or, you know what I mean, and use some protective pay time off and do all, you know, set up all this stuff and, like, I don't know, nothing happens. And I go home bored. And I feel upset that I wasted $125 or something on nothing. I mean, for people, like, I already talked to one of the coworkers at work, and she goes, well, I got three tickets and got lower level. I said, boy, you wasted your money in my head. I was like, well, have a good time, you know, in real speak. I was <laughs> like, I don't want to ruin someone's, you know, she's grandma, and she's a very nice worker, you know. And I – um I listened to her talk, and she's like one of those fans that gets ruined, and there's nothing wrong with that. We need more of that. Um, I feel 
I feel that wrestling is lacking fans that are like her because, yes. you know, fans nowadays, it's just so hard to fucking please. They're like, oh, I didn't see that coming, you know, because Meltzer didn't say. I'm like, for fucking sakes. Meltzer is a good dude, but he's annoying as fuck when it comes to this is what you get when, you know, this is what's supposedly going to be the preview of Raw, and this is what might happen. It's like no one's – the element of the suspended disbelief is slow is not slowly disappearing. It has disappeared because no one is shocked, surprised, uh, on the edge of your seats. Raw used to be when Vince McMahon came out in 1997, and he said, we're going to change the – format of WWE Raw. We will no longer be, you know, parental guidance friendly. We are going to more edgy, more sophisticated TV, blah, blah, blah. Now it's back to PG, and look what happens. Not saying that you don't have to have everything rated R, you know, just have fucking stories that make sense, keep it simple, stupid, and you might actually sell fucking tickets because I guarantee, my friend, dude, my friend in New York says, um, yeah, he goes, we're getting tickets because we have nothing to do. He goes, the Yankees are stinking it up real bad. And uh, I says, um, so the Yankees will do fine in the second half of the season. What's your point? He goes, you got me, man. He goes, I have, he goes, I have two kids. I want to get out of the house. You know, they're bored. It's the summertime. I said, dude, you know what? More power to you. But are you really want to go into Raw? He goes, no. Personally speaking, I'd rather go to SmackDown. SmackDown is always a uh, is a fun show. SmackDown like, is always was, a better was, show. Dude, I was impressed with SmackDown because I watched the I watched it live, okay, and I like wasn't paying attention, so I had to watch the replay. I watched the replay. It's much better without commercials on Hulu, by the way, folks. If you, if you want to know something, if you miss. Um, an episode of SmackDown Live, Raw, or NXT. Uh, you can catch free replays on Hulu. You can also go to Daily Motion. I suggest you don't do this. <laughs> you can go to DailyMotion.com and catch a replay of SmackDown Live, depending on the user and if they don't get copyright infringed. Okay, so <laughs> SmackDown Live. Wow, what a good story between uh, Roman Reigns, Usos, and Rey Mysterio and Dominic. I just love how he chucked Dominic. Thank the Lord, man. Thank the Lord. <laughs> Somebody had to chuck Dominic. I actually saw a gift of that. That was insanity. I was like, dude, holy fuck. He just took Dominic and just somebody made the meme online that says Uncle Phil and had it a caption under Roman Reigns. And it said Jazz under Dominic, who was like launched like a dart. Yeah, I saw that. He he just hucked him like some laundry. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I did get to see the promo that Roman cut on. Uh, is it Jimmy Us or I don't? I I'm sorry for not being able to tell them apart, but. He cut that great promo and say, why are you doing this to your brother? And I got to tell you that Roman's promo work is top-notch in comparison when he was cutting those sucker and succotash promos in 2015. I don't know what you think about that. 
Okay, what I think about what Roman's doing, and I agree with Stone Cold Steve Austin, I agree with every single legend that has assessed Roman Reigns. They hated it when he was a babyface. They were plugging for him to be a heel. Well, now they got him as a heel, and people are bitching about it. Well, guess what? That is a job of a heel is to get the crowd going, to be able to promo, to sucker the crowd in and be like, okay, you're going to hinge on every word that I say, and I'm going to be the biggest asshole on the face of planet Earth. He's doing that to a fucking T. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel I feel like it really wasn't his in-ring work. I think his matches were great, and he delivered there. I just think once he was able to get his, like, entertainment up, he's been – He's been great to watch, and it's just every time he's on the show, it's entrancing. I mean, not entrancing, but it's uh, enthralling TV. <laughs> I don't know. I, like I the think they got. I think they got something there, bro, my my bro. Yes, I think they do because, like, it just you know, okay. So the entire SmackDown Live, I was like. Going through the matches and watching, you know, rewatching. Okay, the beginning match. Wow, I was impressed. Who was the in fact it? that? Okay, so Kevin Owens and Big E versus Apollo Cruz and Sami Zayn. So he basically had an NXT reunion in the ring, and Aziz did not get involved. Thank Lord, because it would have ruined it. But. I love how each, you know, portion of the match is just is how some matches should actually most matches should take example of what a curtain jerk match is. So to me, what that means is what Jericho says, you want your if you're an opening act for a concert, you want your match to ebb and flow really well. Well this had just the right amount of inter, you know, break up spots. Um it had the right amount uh you know, it didn't waterfall till the end. So, you know, Kevin Owens hits the stunner, and Apollo Crews, you know, comes up after the match and says, you only won that match because of your idiot friend, Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn tries to confront Aziz and gets the Nigerian nail for his troubles. So, I mean, like, I feel like I was born intrigued by Nigerian It's basically like Umaga's move. Oh, like a Samoan drop or whatever? Yeah. No, it's like when he hit his thumb under the throat. Like he, oh, he the Asiatic spike. Classic. Yes. Yes, I, I'm loving SmackDown Live now, folks, because not because of one night of watching. It's, I've watched SmackDown Live here and there. But comparing it to elements of WWE Raw is fair because – like I told you at the beginning with the discussion with Pizza Simpson, okay? Um, I feel that personally watching and comparing the champions, Roman Reigns is eons, eons more entertaining than Lashley. Lashley has a mouthpiece. Roman does too. But if I'm going to think on this, folks, right, ever so slightly, I'm going to tell you right now, SmackDown Live will win the ratings wars. Uh, because they have the story going between Roman, the Usos, and now Ray and Dominic. So it's a, <clears throat> it is a cluster, 
but they're controlling it. They're making it work. On Raw, it's just one big clusterfuck. It's I don't know <clears throat> why you would ever pair Matt Riddle and Randy Orton together. But then again, it, they do need a new pair of tag teams, so I get it. But the the whole Battle Royal, which I didn't touch on, the Battle Royal with the number one contenders for the tag team championship, why? You're just following what AEW is doing. Stop, because they dropped, you know, 19.5% in ratings. And you're going to follow what they do? No. Um... You know, I don't hate the pairing of Matt Riddle and Randy Orton so much because I think, I think like, I think like Riddle's you know little brother vibe and the scooter thing just kind of it's just kind of funny when he's playing off the serious straight guy Randy Orton. I don't know. It just kind of works. It was kind of like when Booker T played off of Goldust a long time ago. It's comical. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I don't hate it. I, I, I just I like it, and it. I think Matt Riddle's a great wrestler, and I think just being around Randy, which is definitely going to be an inevitable. You know, he's going to turn on him. That's just what Randy does. But it's it's good so far. I think it's a good contrast. I mean, like, I hate the concept, though, because, like, I feel like Riddle sometimes tries. Matt's a perfectionist. I've only met Matt once at an Evolve show. Um, but, like, he's a, he's a perfectionist. Like, even when you're like, – he's also a student of the game, and he also will tell you if you're on your phone – and you're trying to watch it. Get off your phone, bro. Like, he's he's a perfectionist in the sense that if you tell him, okay, Matt, I want you to do, you know, this gimmick, and I want you to, like, I don't know what gimmick would be. Like, I want you to be this rapper from, you know, Southside, California, blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, he's going to put on a bandana and dress like Tupac Shakur, all right? And try to pull off being like Tupac or whomever, like Dr. Dre. He will try and fit the gimmick because he went to where? Monster Factory. And, you know, Monster Factory teaches you anything. It's if you believe it, everyone else will believe it. So Brittle is doing his thing with Orton where he's trying to be serious, but it's just like, I, I don't know. It just... For me, it's weird because Riddle's so like fun loving, and it's 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 a different perspective. I get it, but what's gonna happen when Riddle and him break off? I guess they're trying to give Matt some kind of uh, I don't know a testament of will if he can actually coexist with someone and make his gimmick shine a little bit because it's the same shit in NXT. He, I mean. They paired him with Timothy Thatcher, and it was almost identical because Randy Orton was very serious and, and doesn't really – I mean, he can have fun, you know, but in retrospect, you're right. Orton's eventually going to turn on Matt. I don't know when they're going to do it, but, I mean, it is what it is. 
Yeah. What else from What else from Raw did you see, bro? Well, like I said, I I was trying to I watched the replay, and uh-huh. after you know, I, so I saw Nikki Cross and Oscar, which is the oddest pairing in the whole wide universe. Again, these odd pairings are great, but to me, <laughs> Nikki Cross and Oscar. Wow, versus Charlotte and Rhea. And again, Nikki Cross gets the victory. And I'm like, okay, are they building Nikki Cross finally? And why don't you know? I have question marks about that because, wow, you didn't do shit with her in NXT except for make her the Patsy or the setup, the the female Jake the Snake, which means setup gal uh, for the person to be fed to the champion. And it's weird for Nikki to finally be getting consecutive victories in a row because normally if she's a solo, if she was a solo match, I'd say good luck because um, the company's not going to exactly favor someone that outshines some of the girls in NXT. So I saw that tag match and I thought, wow, it was okay. I, I just wouldn't give it above a B. Because um, I just am confused altogether on these pairings. I really am. Charlotte and Rhea, really? So we're going off of May Young Fantasy Classic and also fantasy pairings from old NXT. That's fine. I don't care. As long as the match and puts shit together, but at the same fucking token, it's like, you guys better be pushing Nikki. Because she's been waiting a long time for a solo championship. You know, seeing that Tamina just won her first title in 10 years of being with the company, it's Nikki Cross can easily go 10 years without winning a title in WWE. Nothing personal. I think she's great, and I think she can really deliver a great match. Nikki Cross, is a, she's been around a long time, and she's great, but... You know, if they're if she's not what they want, it it just ain't gonna go that way. I think also because a lot of people recognize the names. Some of them, you know, like some of the young kids, you know, when they search for gifts, you know, it's funny because my my cousin goes, "Hey, I came across legit boss, and it was Sasha Banks." Or, "Hey, you know, Charlotte Flair, isn't that Ric Flair's daughter?" She doesn't like that, dude. If you ask Ashley Flair, like, okay, do you do you like being, you know, in your father's shadow? And she would tell you originally, uh, she wasn't supposed to, but like, you know, saying like um, the thing about how not being recognized. Nikki Cross is not a household name. She's not your stereotypical wrestler that came out of fucking woodwork. No. She came from the ground up in Scotland. She literally took money for college and went to wrestling school and and, and uh, Finn Balor's school. And she wasn't supposed to be a wrestler. She was just supposed to be a student, you know. And if she got in, she got in. She's one of those that she really busted her ass and she showed doubts. Like, this is what I'm about. And that's why I say... I personally like her, uh, and I'm not saying everyone has to, but um, it's like you say, I think she could wait 
certain amount of years for a championship. Hmm. They could make a title fit for Nikki, like the Women's Intercontinental or the Women's United States title. I'm pretty sure they're going to make those eventually. I I don't know about that because there's a lot, even though there's a lot of time, there's a lot of WWE TV out there, I don't see them making a secondary title for the women if they're not getting that much time in the first place. I think they should. I think there's enough time in the day for them. There's, you know, several hours of WWE television. I think the girls can get a, you know, a little bit more time, but I don't think I would see, I don't, I wouldn't predict, I wouldn't see a uh, women's intercontinental title belt, but I think it'd be cool. So I I know they're not. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, well, I think, like you were saying, it, it won't happen, but it's just a, one of those things because, dude, we see so many, okay, like this shit, oh, I forgot this match. A uh, few matches, actually, on SmackDown Live, I thought, thought were decent. Um, I love how Carmella's, you know, expanding the heel range. I love how she's finally, you know, getting back into it, even without Smellsworth, I mean Ellsworth. Um <laughs> It's nice to see her finally getting comfortable. You know, feuding with Liv Morgan, that shit's boring, but at least those two are making it work. And Liv Morgan keeps the innovative offense. I love that about her. Um, Carmella keeps it basic, which is, you know, fine. She's um, it's not, she's not cookie-cutter heel anymore. She's getting range. Um, also, Chad Gable versus, um, my goodness, Montez Ford was amazing. Yeah, Montez Ford. I like that. Caught him up in midair and did a suplex with a bridge. That takes fucking timing. And as a former worker, dude, yes. I I just was like, wow. These two, like, former, and I love saying it, former NXT alum was putting on a show. And the whole fact that Otis' interference moment kind of was a mistake, but... They 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 swept it under the rug and they made with what do and Montez Ford's like hi right, you missed me by a mile dude but you know pick me up and beat my ass make make it what it's worth yeah I didn't watch SmackDown at all because I was watching the Gay Deathmatch Show No Peace Underground presents Fear the Gay Agenda that's what I was watching last night. So I gotta ask, did Cardona sure. get his ass beat? Oh, we'll get into that. We will get into that for a slice of pizza. I got my notes sit standing by, so we'll talk about that in due time, my friend. Okay. Well, we're gonna. So, uh, any more WWE, bro? Um, real quick, you know, like I said, because we're going to forever, like the first time folks, we're going to co-mingle just for tonight, because I do actually have Pizza Simpson's theme ready for next week, so I, um, I gotta say, I apologize to him once again for not having music prepared, so we're going to last, like, wrap up WWE, I'm going to tell you, um, 
I'm hoping and praying. Unless the uh, they're, they're getting better. Uh, go ahead. We still got a. Uh, we still had the. Glo- we had the go home show for uh, NXT. Oh yeah, that's right. This Sunday, it's in your house. NXT Takeover. Uh, Let's talk about these matches real quick. Yes. So yes, we'll yes. start with the main event. We'll go. Carrion uh, Cross is going to defend his title against Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, and Pete Dunne. Uh, I see Kyle. I see uh, uh, Cross fit, uh, keeping the belt here. What do you think? Um, I also see Cross keeping the title simply because um, I really honestly am going to be – it's not a disappointment. It's just you can't drop the title off of him after you just won it a couple months ago. You just can't. True. I agree with that. And I don't like that there's so many guys jammed up into this match because I feel like Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole still have – some business to attend to, so I feel like it should just be a three-way, but I just feel like there's too many guys in this. It just seems like it's just become kind of a mess. Um, then we got um, the for the million-dollar title in a ladder match, L.A. Knight and um, what the heck is his name? Trevor Lee. Uh, thank you, Cameron Grimes. I, you know, I think this will be a, I think this will be a fine, fine match. But I just feel for a fake title, or a title that's really kind of ultimately meaningless. I feel like, why kill yourself for something that's not recognized? Well, my my take on it is they need something for LA Knight and they need something for Cameron Grimes. It's how sometimes guys on the card. I hate saying this, like if you're Cameron Grimes is a good showman. I mean, formerly known as Trevor Lee, for those of us who know him as Trevor Lee. I miss those days. Uh, um, also, there's the, that point when you're, if you're not just Triple H, it doesn't have to revolve around him. But when you got a guy that was well-known and well-respected, like L.A. Knight or Ethan Page or, well, I don't know, um, not Ethan Page, Oh, what was it? Eli Drake. There it is. Yeah. It's just, it's so hard to place because if you really let L.A. Knight loose, and they already kind of have, it's kind of a drawback when you kind of, not kind of, the guy can talk. And they're putting clamps on him real quick because it's very reminiscent of how CM Punk was. The guy started off, like, really adaptive and doing what he was told and and then, you know, not getting, you know, meaningful matches and then bitching and complaining. That's what their fear is. I guarantee you they won't say that, but that's what their fear is of Eli Drake because the guy can – he's big. He can talk. I don't know if they're – Trying to amp him up I don't think so because like you said The million dollar Title belt okay, That was meaningful back in Mid 80s Early 90s Yeah I'm not with it man 
I am not interested in that. I'm not. I'm not really interested in that title. But let me see what else is on this show. Um, for the women's title, Ember Moon versus Raquel Diaz. Uh, I think this will be a. I think this will be a win for Raquel. And uh, Ember will get a good match out of her, but ultimately I think Raquel will overpower and um, she'll win that match. <laughs> um, I don't know, because I have a feeling Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez may not last as long. I'm getting the vibe that Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai, Dakota Kai might get jealous, maybe turn on her after the match, maybe maybe they'll save that for uh, TakeOver before SummerSlam, but... Come on now. Dakota Kai can't just wait in the shadows while Raquel Gonzalez holds the title. I think that they're kind of hint, hint at that, you know, a little mistake here and there. I do, unfortunately, see things <clears throat> on the other side of my brain going, well, damn it. Logic, you know, she's only held the title for a couple months like Mr. Cross. And as boring as fuck as those two are, I'm, I'm going to say it. Raquel Gonzalez is a sweetheart, but boy, in wrestling, she sucks. Can't sell for shit. Neither can cross. So, um, I'm going to go, unfortunately, on the logic side of my brain with Raquel Gonzalez retaining because if you look at booking logic and wrestling, you're going to say, well, she's only held it for two months. So, even though she's boring as a tree planted in the ground, <laughs> can't sell for shit. I'm going to say this nicely. Raquel Gonzalez is a sweetheart. She's a nice person. But wrestling, she's improving, but she also needs improvement upon selling moves and not just that, but uh, she needs to ditch Dakota Kai for fuck's sake. They're a great tag team, but son of a bitch, that's going to hold Raquel back and that's also going to hold Dakota back because they're both good workers in some aspects. But coming this Sunday, you know, my prediction. Go ahead. Yeah, it's this Sunday, and we got one more. We got one more match to talk about in a winner-take-all match for the uh, NXT North American Title and Tag Titles. MSK um, and Bronson Reed put their belts up against Legato del Fantasma. Um, I think this is gonna be. I think this is gonna be really good because I like, I like Bronson Reed, and I'm a fan of Phantasma and whatnot. I think it's. I think it's gonna be good. I really don't care who wins this because I like both sides. So, but overall, I don't think I don't think uh, Bronson Reed and MSK are gonna lose their titles. I think nothing. I think no titles change hands on. I don't think any titles are gonna change hands on this card. You know, surprisingly, whenever we say this, it's going to happen because <laughs> I'm having war flashbacks with the former co-host. Oh, it'd be really funny if Gargano was behind the attacks of Aleister Black. Oh, it'd be really funny if Aleister won the title from Gargano. <laughs> it was just like, I'm not saying no titles won't change the hands. I'm just saying... Never say never in professional wrestling because you don't know which son of a bitch. It doesn't matter. They're probably not listening to this shit. They don't give a fuck. Or maybe they are. Maybe they're not. I just, I have the the paranoia going in my head thinking we think everything's secure, but there's always that lingering thought of 
fuck us sideways. One of the titles is going to change hands, and I don't know which one. It's like Russian roulette with WWE. You never know when the bullet's going to hit the fucking ground or where it's going to end up. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, that's NXT TakeOver for this Sunday. So... I'm I'm happy that there's a show on and there's just going to be a big show and it'll be something nice to come home to and whatnot, but this is one of those things that I'm not completely engaged in and I don't care who wins any of it. <laughs> I like you. I haven't really been engaged for NXT in quite some time. I mean, the last time I had was when they had the class of um, Baszler, Black... Uh, let's see who else. Irie Sane. Uh, when Undisputed was still a thing and it wasn't overdone. You know, it's just like now it's like NXT. Okay, cool. They're they're slowly but surely gelling together and putting the pieces of that puzzle on the fucking board and slowly but finding the pieces that fit. So, oh, I forgot, dude. The undercard, Zaylee versus um. I forget, is it Casey? Yeah, Casey Catanzaro. Or uh, actually, uh, Caitlin, whatever her name is. Sorry, I'm butchering her name. So, uh, the Oni Larkin and, uh, I forget, yeah. Oni Larkin and Austin Theory had a match. And that was before the take-home show. Yeah, uh, I got to tell you guys, I'm so glad <laughs> Austin Theory is back in NXT, but at the same time, it's like now they put him in the way, which, okay. Enough talk about WWE before I get off tangent. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, the following contains expletives not appropriate for minors under the age of 18. Pizza Simpson and I are not responsible for the language they repeat to their summer school teachers or to their bosses at work. So... For those of you who know, this is the first combo ever between Off the Rails Uncensored and a slice of pizza. Though these views may be controversial and out of the opinion that of, of a creative writing or booking team from any professional wrestling company such as WWE, NWA, Impact, APJW, or any wrestling company affiliated in the name Professional Wrestling. We are not responsible for the opinions that form after this, and we are not responsible for the opinions that form with us. So... Without further ado, get ready, you know, because I'm going to tell you, this is going to be something special, all right? Off the rails and a slice of pizza. And we got, like, we have time. So, Off the Rails and Sense is a trademark podcast, March 17, 2016. Slice of pizza. I have to go back in the archives, but it was a point of frame podcast joint podcast of Off the Rails Uncensored, with Off the Rails Uncensored, All Rights Reserved, A Slice of Pizza, and Off the Rails Uncensored 2021, 2021 Incorporated. All right. <clears throat> so sit back. Enjoy all the F-bombs. Enjoy all the cursing. Enjoy all the opinions. If you want to call in, we're more than happy to entertain a guest or two. It's 213-943-3422. It's toll-free. You do not have to pay. We are not that type of hotline, so, all right. For real, though, 
do this, do the thing with the thing. To get... And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. <laughs> combination of a slice of pizza and off the rails uncensored. So I'm gonna let my awesome loyal co host go first and on with his awesome report. So sir, let's get we can tag team. I'll hit it first and then I'll pass it back to you and then you can you can uh we'll well, tag team this bitch. I'm going to get right into it and start off hot. Last Sunday at GC, GCW Zombie Walk in the late stages of the, of the championship match between Nick Gage and Jimmy Lloyd, which I can assure you was a bloody disgusting fair. A hooded figure entered the ring, and it was emulating the movements of John Moxley, which, which only was seen fitting because Moxley and Nick Gage have been freaking fighting all over the country right now. The person hits Nick Gage with a with a uh, paradigm shift unmasked, and it happens to be the one and only Matt Cordona to a chorus of just cataclysmic heat. The crowd says, fuck Zack Ryder, and Matt says, fuck Zack Ryder too. Zack Ryder is dead. Nick Gage calls out Matt Cardona at the beginning of the weekend at the tournament of survival because what seemed like a just a little back and forth on Twitter actually got serious. Nicky wanted to talk to Matt Cardona, but he didn't show up, but he decided to make his he decided to make his feelings felt at the the zombie walk. Also at that weekend the new tournament of uh, the tournament of survival rental was crowned. Nick and Nick Mondo and Supreme rest in peace go into the Deathmatch Hall of Fame. Um, I really just want to say personally that I think this is a really great move for Matt Cardona because I feel he needs to be challenged and going into a place like GCW where it is so blood and guts and it is. Uh, it has that old school ECW vibe. You better bring it. And coming straight from the WWE, it's instant heat. And personally, I would like to see 
I would like to see Matt Cardona take the GCW title because I personally think Nick Gage works better when he has a purpose and he's not just on cruise control. When he's hungry and he has someone like Zack Ryder, the former Zack Ryder taking his belt, I think that would light a fire under his ass. And it also leads up, it leads opportunities like, will we see Nick Gage in a just straight wrestling match? Will we see Matt Cardona in a death match? And to follow up with what I just said, earlier tonight I just got got news that Nick Gage um, interrupted Matt Cardona's toy podcast live show and accepted accepted, uh, uh, Matt Cardona's challenge for a fight, and they will be defending – they will be – fighting at um, GCW Homecoming Night 1. So there you have it, the hot news out of the indies. Boom, go. Well, okay, so you heard me earlier, folks, talk about AEW's ratings drops. And they're not the only ones, okay? It went from... They were, for the first time ever, under 1.1 million views in about four or five months. They dropped 19.5%. They lost out to the presidential address. Like, uh, how the fuck do you manage that? I'll tell you how. When you have AEW going, you know, against the NBA playoffs, so they had to move networks. They moved it from TNT to TBS. They're airing still on Wednesdays, whatever. I'm not... I'm not at liberty to discuss why, how, when, or where, but I will tell you when you have Jericho who looks like he's been gaining weight again and when you have stories um, that are so redonkulous like the inner circle versus, you know, God almighty, MJF's group. Um, I forget their fucking the name of the group. Pinnacle. The pinnacle. Um, well, I feel like you're – you're trying to recreate something in like, or create something in wrestling that's so over the top. This is why I say wrestlers should not be the fucking bookers because they will book for themselves. They'll bring in people. They say, Oh yeah, man, you can join in. There's fucking 12 people that own AEW is the fucking problem. You have a billionaire trying to give out advice to a gentleman who's been in the in the fucking wrestling business for over 40 years in Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon or Triple H, who have been around wrestling longer than some of these cats, can tell you they're weathering the storm. And boy, was it a smart move to move outside the window of going head-to-head with AEW because they will hang themselves. They are hanging themselves on social media I'll give you an example, dude. A friend of mine sent me a message, um, you know, earlier, and it was an interview. As actually, uh, let's see, it's from Cage Side Seats, of course. And it says, uh, Renee Paquette, you know, he said, there's nothing worse than going to work feeling like you're on eggshells. That does not lead to good performances. And then Henry, Mark Henry said in response, uh, it don't, it don't. Like I said, it's bad for morale. You feel like, you feel like uh, pressed. Like if I don't go out here and do super fantastic, I might be next. You know, it's not a great feeling. 
Uh, to sum this all up, I'm going to finish uh, with Paquette's responses. Yeah, it's scary. John Moxley and I were having a conversation the other day. I'm like, man, we got out at the perfect time, dot, dot, dot. I couldn't imagine being there now and just being like, what is happening? Like, your head would be spinning. It sucks. I feel so bad for everybody there. Dude, you know what? Both companies are walking on eggshells right now because they're about to transition from – well, AEW's kind of transitioned right into crowds because they've been having crowds. They've been breaking the fucking rules of the pandemic when it was going on, you know, not to have a crowd. But, oh, well, you know, let them suffer. WWE, they've been below ratings, but they've released, you know, like I said, no company is better than the other. But when your company's ratings drop from exceedingly well, phenomenal, because 1.1 million for wrestling, that's like... Because every time I talk about it at work, they kind of like, there's only one or two other people that are like all ears. And other people are like, oh, just be nice to the poor fucker because he has nothing else to talk about. Ratings are a big deal. That's like part of the reason why merchandise gets sold. That's that's part of the reason why people tune in. Well, at least I do. Like, okay, what are you going to do uh, for this story? Okay, cool. Army has this disease. It's called former workeritis. It's it's where I can't, ever since I've been on the other side of the curtain, I cannot, and I repeat, I cannot watch it entirely from a fan's perspective. I can in some aspects, but I also am going to tell you, when you bring your little drama bullshit, like I'm not dissing Renee because I love her to death. I think she's a sweetheart. I'm not dissing Mark Henry because I think he's a legend. Actually, I know he's a legend. Let me rephrase that. But when you... When AEW constantly drags shit up that no one cares about into their promos, they constantly take jabs at WWE. Guess what, folks? It's fun for the first four weeks. But when you constantly take professional jabs at the competing company, you know what that competing company is going to do? They're not going to say shit about you. They're going to congratulate you like Triple H did that one time you got the AEW had – beaten them in ratings several weeks in a row in NXT, and this was with Matt Riddle. This was with Aleister Black on the way out. Um, I got to say, folks, a 19.5% drop? Holy shit. When they first started, Let's man, expand on, that. on board. They... Well, yeah. Let me, let, me, let me offer a little – let me offer my, my thoughts on that. I honestly think – Part of the reason that it dropped is because AEW books its shows in reverse, and what I mean is they like the 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 War Games Blood and Guts match was definitely great, but it was hot it was hot shotting that angle, and instead of like maybe having that now or saving that for you know this period where they have to transition to another show you know another time and time and and, and network, they should be trying to trying to jam that with as much action as possible. It seems it seems the only time that they do get something get a high number is when they're doing something crazy, and they're they're they've they're they're having a hard time capitalizing on the momentum they catch from these big matches and these big moments like having Shaq there and whatnot. It's it's like this, you know these big moments happen. And then it just kind of dies down. And going to 10 o'clock at night, that's not good because most people start calling it, most people start calling it a night and want to go to bed. And 
you're not going to just you're just not going to be able to just maintain they're not you're not going to maintain this you're not going to maintain it you're not going to maintain and keep these people awake if if you're just kind of giving them boring stuff and nothing to really look forward to we have already saw the blood and guts match why would i want to watch just ftr versus santana ortiz we've saw that we we already seen the good shit and to your point, like I said, AEW, it's not that they don't have talent. That's aside from the point. It's um, when the commentators have had to do several cover-ups from the screw-ups. And um, I, I just got to add this into what you were saying. They give shows that are in reverse. Their stories are great first time around, and then they try to follow up. It's like they trip at the finish line, man. It's not the, like I said, Chris Jericho, I love to pieces because he's one of my favorite all-time Mike guys outside of CM Punk or Cornette or um, Paul Heyman. But the point is, back to the fucking point, their shit to me, is very reminiscent of what WCW used to do. Put all their great shit on Nitro and then never leave room for the pay-per-view. Yeah. I just, I, I personally just think they're gonna have, uh, they're gonna have a hard time keeping this, keeping this five hundred, five hundred thousand they're at, and going to TBS is not a good thing. You know, a lot of their followers, like my friend, you know, he, well, at least they, you know, because my friend and I, and like I said, I'm not gonna read names, okay. But he did say that, like, this is how, um, like, Mark Henry took 15 years to give him a title. Yeah, it took 15 years because if you give Mark Henry the strap, it has nothing to do with his ability or his strength. It had something to do with the fact that The Rock was on TV at the time, Stone Cold was on TV at the time. So you're going to give the strap to Mark Henry. You know what's going to happen to your rating? Pew, bonk. I mean, if Mark Henry would have had the title in the in the Attitude Era, it really would have been like, what the fuck is going on? That that's what I'm saying. Like, it took 15 years for a reason because it was the wrong time to give him a championship. Because at that time, he had just come in as the world's strongest man. He was a former Olympian. How do you how do you give a check? Like, okay, I love saying this because I said it's not Lashley's fault. It's not McIntyre's fault. They're playing hot potato with the fucking championship. But it'd be like giving the fucking title to, I don't know, uh, <laughs> it'd be the equivalent thereof. Uh, when he first came into the company, he was very talented from Ring of Honor. Let me give a better example. It'd be like giving the title to Drew Gulak. The people would be like, what? You know? Be like, wait, you, you gave the title to a, a guy who's talented and very well-rounded, but at the same time, if you're looking at it from Vince's point of view, 
which most people don't like doing, but if you're looking at it from a promoter's point of view, it'd be like giving the title Drew Gulak or, or you know, someone that's not well-known, and you're just like, what the fuck? That, I'm not saying Mark Henry's a bad dude or a horrible athlete, but for him to say, oh, you felt like it was under pressure, dude, you're drinking the fucking Kool-Aid that everyone drank that's a former WWE talent, okay? It, it sounds something like this. If you were formerly in WWE, the job is great and the pay is amazing. But when you get, you know, when you get to the nitty gritty of it, it's just like, my God, man. When he, when my friend said that, I go, okay. Well, let me put it to you like this: If Mark Henry was to win the title back in the times of '99, 2000. 2002, I could see it being a thing because he was, you know, really owning his craft and he was basically beating the never-living daylights out of Taker, but a lot of guys have. Um, But it's just, it wasn't his time. And the time when he beat Orton, it it was kind of, it wasn't a shock. It was like, uh, okay, it's been a long time coming. But for him and Renee to hold that conversation, I can I can understand where they are coming from, believe me. Because you do feel like you're walking on eggshells, and you do feel like everything's timed. The lunch schedule, the appearances, the time you wake up, the time you, there's curfew. Okay. What's going on? Okay, next thing, next thing. All right, we're going into some ROH news. Survival of the fittest is uh, is underway, and uh, Ring of Honor started off with a, uh, a preview package of the survival pack, uh, survival of the fittest, and it is it's a uh, big tournament, and the winner goes on to challenge for the title, and the first ever winner was Brian Danielson as he defeated Austin Aries in a 75-minute classic. The show begins with Ray Horace versus Demonic Planeta. I hope I said that right. And this was uh, this was just a, you know, you're good, you're good um, lucha match. You've seen it before, but, you know, um, Flamita hit a Spanish fly on the floor, which looked incredible, and he picks up the win with a face buster in a nice, nice little lucha match going on to the next round of Survival of the Fittest. And the the main event, this is only a two-match show, and it was Silas Young versus Josh Woods with Silas Young being the um, Silas Young being the crafty veteran um, versus Josh Woods, who is the supreme grappler. This was a pure rules match, so this came with some rules like no open, no open. Uh, I'm sorry, no closed fist. No, uh, you only get three rope breaks. And this really saw Josh Woods controlling Silas for most of the match with this beautiful, just superior grappling, and Silas basically just trying to stay ahead of him with just using sneaky tactics, and basically, Josh picked up the win with a double ankle lock that just looked beautiful, so that's your Ring of Honor news. I didn't really watch Impact this week because 
I've been watching a lot of uh, a Matt Tremont show, and I will save Matt. I will save my my highlight on H2O to close out a man, uh, a slice of pizza after after I tag back out to you. What do you got, brother? So I'm gonna just touch base. Um, we talked earlier about how live shows are gonna impact. The workers, you know, and how they some say they're going to adapt to it. Also, some news, breaking news, folks. There's been circulating rumors around that Samoa Joe was supposedly released, and he may or may not be coming back to NXT. Let me just say this right now. Samoa Joe is one of those workers that if you hear his name and it pops up and you say to yourself, my God, I thought he was gone. He was released. I, I told people, I'm like, no, because there's got to be something in the works for WWE. And uh, I I just feel like AEW would not be a fit for Joe. It may, may, may be, but it just, let me just point this out. It, wherever he lands, I'm going to say this nicely. You better, you know, Treat Joe with the respect that he so willingly deserves. He's been in the comp- been in the wrestling business since like 2004. For his name to pop up in an article and multiple articles, I think they're trying to keep it under wraps. But if he shows up at In Your House Takeover to confront Karrion Cross, I'm gonna lose my shit. I will literally, I will laugh my ass off, but also mark the fuck out. If he puts him in the Coquina Clutch, or uh, like or the, you know whatever, whatever Joe puts carrying Cross in, I'm gonna die laughing because this is the same man who literally manhandled Brock Lesnar on more than one occasion. This is the same guy who every single match, no matter where you put him on the card. He just made some formal impact and was like, okay, fuckers, I'm here, even when he was not hurt. So I'm excited to see that piece of news, but I'm also going to tell you to <clears throat> to touch base with the whole live crowd thing. It's going to be either a rude awakening for both AEW and WWE, or it's going to be a mad science experiment. Like, okay, we didn't do so well at this arena, so we're going to try this at this arena. My one hope and prayer for WWE and AEW and anywhere that, you know, any company that's doing live shows again, understand the crowd is the reason why you do this. You hear a boo, you hear a cheer, and you hear it in access, you know you did your fucking job. You don't hear any kind of reaction. Either on their phones or they're playing games or whatever. You're not doing your job. So again, you got a 25 city tour for WWE. I don't know how many cities AEW going under, but I know that um, I know that I was going to tell you guys Godspeed. We miss you guys. Uh, another thing, please do not disappoint the crowd. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you disappoint us live, which has happened, there have been multiple events with the result of boo, you fuckers. I mean, literally, chance of this shit sucks. We want refunds that you name it. I don't want that. I would like for both companies to do great. 
But the same token, it's like, come on, prove the prove the naysayers wrong. You want to do? You want to get money? You get most of it during your merch. Uh, you get most of it from merchandise. So again, I want to. I'm gonna say uh, to add that to this to tie it in. When your ratings drop from a significant amount, over 700,000 viewers lost. There's reason for that. It's like what my co-host was trying, actually not trying to say, but emphasizing. When you work a show backwards, the reactions you're going to get is, the fuck is wrong with you? Like, just keep it simple, stupid. So a lot of guys in this business have said, if you want to succeed in anything, you want to keep it simple. You want to keep people on the edge of your seats. You want to entertain. So if you want to know why the demo wasn't so bad from 18 to 34, it's because there's a lot of sick fucks in this world, is my explanation. You love deathmatch wrestling. Oh, and touching on deathmatch wrestling. No, folks, it is not a giant work between Cardona and Gage. Gage does not fuck around. I. This is not just speaking from Dark Side of the Ring shit. I've seen Gage's shit. This dude, at one point when one of my friends went to the Deathmatch tournament in Maryland, where a bunch of it's just like Woodstock for fucking uh, wrestling fans, where people, they screw, they get, you know, they have beers, they smoke weed, and they watch guys smash light tubes and all kinds of shit over each other. Gage had it going through one of his fucking... Uh, I guess it pierced his skin so bad that he was losing so much blood. Again, I'm going to emphasize more so than Beulah McGillic or like more so than Bill Alfonso versus Beulah McGillicuddy. Okay, like this dude was nuts. So can I just uh, can I just make it look like I'm going back? I'm like, no. They told him no. The dude was literally dead for like seven minutes or eight or I don't know how much, but. Nick Gage does not play around. I'm going to tell you right now. If Matt Cardona thinks that this is going to be the easy pickings because he's a deathmatch wrestler, no. <laughs> deathmatch wrestling has a certain kind of flavor to it. And boy, does, um, there are two, or actually, there are a few dudes. I'm pretty sure a slice of uh, Pizza Simpson can recti- or like reiterate who, like, okay, Thumbtack Joe or. Ooh, uh, Mick Foley or Terry Funk or uh, there's lots of guys that eat, well no not just incredible god no um, Balls Mahoney at one point uh, had done some form of that not just ECW but uh, there there's several dudes that have done deathmatch wrestling and made it an art form okay uh, Hangman Page Jimmy One um, before his days in AEW Darby Allen did some form of deathmatch wrestling because he's a bit psychotic and been out there. But to touch on the Cardona Gage feud, I'm loving every fucking second of it because Gage is gonna knock the fucking shit out of Cardona, and I hope to God they don't they don't drop the ball. I, see I think it, I think it'll be good. To be honest with you, I think it'll be good. Just having Cardona in a GCW ring, it's just going to get a lot of heat, and it's going to get a lot of – it's going to hit, hit with his stature. Even being a longtime job guy in WWE, 
him being there definitely just gets eyes on that show. So him being there is a good thing. So it's definitely definitely a positive. And I want to see Nick work. I want to see Nick work without glass. I think I want to see something. I want to see something different. I think it would be great, and I think I would expect a lot of good, like a lot of good promo work, a lot of good mic time from both of them. Nothing but an upside. I, yeah, I, I just like I said, I, I want to see them beat the ever-living fuck out of each other. I think Gage, uh, like you said earlier. He needs to be challenged, and what better way when the pretty boy that comes in as like eye candy, you know, for some of the women, maybe not. Uh, but for him, I don't know how many hardcore matches this dude has had. Probably zero from what I've seen. Uh, 24-7 title match doesn't really count at all. Um, as far as, like, Nick Gage goes, let me just assess him for a quick second. Kinda, if you were to rewind time and tell, okay, tell guys like, uh, well, God rest his soul, and you know, a lot of people say, what a character, but at times with guys like New Jack, Sandman, Sabu, RVD, Jerry Lynn, Nick Gage, would or Terry Funk, oh my God. Terry, please don't listen to this shit. I hope to God you retire someday. But if Terry Funk versus Nick Gage, imagine that shit. That'd be crazy. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Honestly, yeah. I, I just I'm covering my mouth because I said, "What have I done?" Because Dick Gage, I'm all fucking for it. Let's fucking do this. A pizza, a pizza cutter. Uh, th- that's one of Nick Gage's calling cards. Is a fucking pizza cutter across the fucking head. Takes your, takes it across fucking. Tongue and then up the cheek. It doesn't cut your tongue off, although it will feel like it. Let me tell you. Um, two, like Terry Funk's absolutely batshit insane. The guy <laughs> came back with a bludgeoned eye. In the oh, is it work? No, everything Funk does, dude. He goes like Nick Gage, balls to the wall. And to say fantasy warfare, I love this scene. Cactus Jack. Nick Foley hasn't been Foley before he got injured. Nick, I wonder it'd be such a damn good match, dude. Oh my god. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna close out. I'm gonna close out a slice of pizza by touching on um, H2O Wrestling, the Hardcore Hustle organization, which is Matt Tremont's fed out in the East Coast in New Jersey. Matt's a deathmatch legend who's been around for. A while, but he had to, he had to cut his time short because doing death matches for a long time is definitely going to shorten your career. Um, Matt opened H two O in 2016, and they've had some they've had some pretty good names there. They brought in guys like Kevin Sullivan and Shane Douglas and Eddie Kingston, just to name a few. Excuse me. So Matt Matt ended his career on. Matt finished up in 2020. He, he his last match was uh, was 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 with the um, was with Ricky Shane Page. He was just doing his just who's just doing excellent work right now. Just excellent heel work, and 
he, after retiring Ricky Champagne, I mean, I'm sorry, after retiring Matt Tremont, Ricky and his 440 faction has basically been running amok all throughout H2O. And at at Hardcore Heaven Five, at the end of at the end of the uh, big the big uh, championship match or the big title match or whatever, the tournament, um, Ricky stole the Danny Havoc Memorial Title, which was a, which is a sentimental title, which is which is viewed as their hardcore title. And it's 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 sentimental because uh, because sadly Danny Havoc lost his life recently and it was a big loss to a lot of people. So Ricky said, in order in, in order for you to get this title back, I'm gonna need you to book every one of my guys in main events. I mean, in, in title matches. Pardon me. And in the main event of Death of Versi, we're, we're going to get Ricky Shane Page and Chuck, and, and Chuck Payne, their 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 heavyweight champion. And I'm going to be my I'm going to be honest with you. I think what's going to happen here, Brian, I think that 440 is going to take all the titles and have complete control over H2O. And I feel this is going to draw Matt out of retirement to save his company. I think this is just. I really think this is just just really good basic basic storyline, basic writing. You know, this is this is not fancy. This is just wrestling, just good booking in a in a small gymnasium. And I'm actually excited about the idea of Matt Tremont coming back because Ricky Shane Page is such a Swarmy fucking heel. He's such an annoying prick, but he wins, so it just makes you hate him more. And he's 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 just he's such a fucking prick. So, but you love him. You love seeing him get fucked up. So, I've been watching a lot of H2O and just getting caught up in this because it's just been good TV. So. Um, Death anniversary is in a couple weeks, and I will have I will have a report on death anniversary. That'll probably be my I'll probably have a big show, a big slice of pizza for you guys on that day because I'm going out of town. So I'm gonna want you know Uncle Adam's gonna want to take a little vacation. So I'm gonna give you a lot on that day. So yeah, that's my uh, and that's a slice of pizza for you this week. Check out H2O. Boom. All right. Well, that was Bites of Pizza, and we're going to close out off the rails. So just a little uh, tidbit not to walk around in circles verbally. But, um, okay, like I said, I've been surprisingly positive and a little bit upbeat, if you will, folks. You have been upbeat this, this episode, my friend. Oh my god, I feel weird. <laughs> I uh I got to say I've been uh I've been watching Dark Side of the Ring and I I watched the um le- latest episode of Dynamite Kid and I had heard stories from some veterans when I first got in the business. They were just talking, right? I did not know that the Dynamite Kid had had a lot of shit happen in the in the uh, back and also 
and his family, you know, you leave personal shit out of this, okay? Dude was a good... He was a legend that was... It was taken away because his wife told the story about the domestic abuse that helped in, in his home. Um, I also watched the episode with Jake Snake Roberts, and I gotta say, oh. you know, from a dude, from a dude that was a uh, idol of many, not just me. I met him at an unspoken word tour in Dallas, but I did not know there was a lot of shit that went along with that episode that. One, I was – I'm going to admit something to you. I was aware that he had a family, that he had brother, sister, brother, and a dad that was um, – we'll we're not going to say it on air because out of respect for Jake, and I'm pretty sure you don't give a shit. That's what he would say, but uh, uh, here's the thing I'm going to tell you. The Dark Side of the Ring is not dis, you know, It's not disappointing. It's not – that's a hard episode to watch yeah yeah it's it's very personal i'm not going to go over all of it on air but to hear jake say he was ashamed of his dad and this is before father's day folks um i watched two episodes that have some correlation with that um one of the daughters of dynamite kid uh i guess she Flew to go see him before he had pa- like before he pa- eventually passed away. Sad thing is, man, Dynamite Kid he was so fucked up. Like uh, Rougeau from the Rougeau brothers, Jacques Rougeau, had told a story uh, where he put the needle in his butt and was walking with it, flopping around, and going, "I'm gonna have a good fucking match tonight." I was, I, I, I won. I'm sorry, I laughed really loud at that. Because I'm like, wow, this was a trend back in the day. Because even Dan Dan Spivey was saying, you know, we all did it back then. So, again, this translates into another episode or transposes into a past episode of Dark Side of the Ring Season 2, Chris Benoit. And what's funny is his wife would talk a mad amount of shit, Dynamite Kids would, and then she would say, but we can't, you know – we can't take away from this, or I don't understand why Jacques Rougeau retaliated. Let me just say this: if someone if someone backhanded you for being arrogant, you know, just for just being a kid in the business, I can understand why Jacques Rougeau took a roll of quarters and smacked the ever living shit out of Dynamite Kid. God rest his soul. I have mad respect for you, dude. But if you did that shit to me. When I was a rookie, if I was a rookie in the locker room, I'd be waiting for your ass too. The dude did intimidate people, and Dan Spivey just passed it off as he said during the episode, oh, well, it was a rib. It was just meant for people to laugh. Like, when you put shit in people's drinks, like, seriously, they they came to this one dude's, uh, forget his name, but they put a roofie in the dude's drink, okay? It was a sleeping pill, essentially. They crapped they crapped in his bag, and they shaved his kid's head. Like, fucking shit. And then Jack and Joe, like, they, they started, you know, have, they won. They didn't win the match, but they match ended in a double, like, a, the time for the match was up. And they just you know, were having a good time. And they, because I know we weren't supposed to, but it felt like a victory, even though we were never in the same league as the British Bulldogs. 
She goes to the back and says, oh, you like cards, right? So Jacques Rougeau is just sitting there, minding his fucking business, and slap, and then, you know, punch right in the face. And then he wonders why he grabs the roll of quarters because he goes to his dad, his dad goes, uh, to Jacques Rougeau and goes, uh, here, go to the bank and get you a roll of quarters. So he's, waits, he's waiting in the back for Dynamite Kid to come through. And he goes, you've ever seen those monster films where the blood just squirts? And I'm thinking, geez, these old timers, man, they, they fucking used to get into it. And as a watching I've been, in, I've been to a few indie locker rooms myself and also WWE. The out of respect thing, man. Like they said, Dynamite Kid never recovered. Well, to be honest with you, God rest your soul, don't talk ill of the dead. But if I'm going to assess him as a professional wrestler, a great talent, but boy, he was a prick. And you say, people say Shawn Michaels was best. Boy, you guys have no fucking clue just how temperamental this dude was. Not only did he make his wife sleep in the fucking closet, ladies and gentlemen, because she didn't want to drink with him at the bar. But here's the thing. I'm going to just point this out. Dark Side of the Ring features a lot of personal shit. And if you can't handle it, boy, do not watch the show. But to depict... The guy that I grew up idolizing when I was a kid, young kid, um, shows you my age, but I was very young. He was – I did not know this. He was the cousin of the British Bulldog. It's also related to Bret Hart because uh, his wife was sisters with Julie Hart. The point is if you really want to watch a show that depicts something that's like from your past heroes or – you, oh, I remember this guy. Oh, I remember this guy. Some of them stories that they have. I just wanted to touch base with y'all because I love Dark Side of the Ring. Why? It's like the HLN version for professional wrestlers. It tells you from like front to back, like from start to finish, what these guys were in the wrestling business and what their personal lives were. If you want to delve into that, so. So to sum it up, if you haven't already done so, go watch on the Vice Network. It's a very, very good season right now going on. They have episodes like um, cocaine. They have episodes titled like Cocaine and Cowboy Boots, <laughs> or um, that's one of my favorites. They've got yes, it's about Herb Abrams. It's a crazy, crazy story, and I will let you guys delve into that. And before I get carried away, I'm just going to read off some episodes. That caught my attention that I decided to download the entire season. Um, season one has a match made in heaven. That's a story about Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth, the Montreal Screwjob, for those of us who delve into that one. Uh, Bruiser, The Killing of Bruiser Brody, Loss of the Von Erics, The Mysterious Death of Gorgeous Gino. That dude was a big part of the feud with the Von Erics. Uh, the Fabulous Moolah. That one. Uh, man. Benoit Part 1 and Part 2, Season 2, Life and Crimes of New Jack, God Rest His Soul. Oh, dude, my favorite one. One of many. The Brawl for All. One of my favorite episodes because it's uh, You will hear Cornette spout off against Russo a million, not in the Montreal Screwjob, but in this episode as well. Jimmy Snuka and the Death of Nancy Argent. Argentina, okay, the assassination of Dino Bravo, that one was insane. David Schultz and the slap around the world. 
Yeah. Um, Classic. Cocaine and Cowboy Boots just mentioned. Um, the Last Ride of the Road Warriors, really cool episode. The Final Days of Owen Hart. Uh, man, I, I, ooh, I was there for that death. Uh, May 23rd, 1999, Over the Edge, the last in your house pay-per-view. That shit was insane, but I will not dive into it too much. But Confidential, The Mysterious Death of Gorgeous Gino. They're confidential episodes. They're like reprises. So what that is, it goes in depth and adds extra added bonus footage. Um, let's see here. So I go past that. Okay. Brian Tillman has two parts. Uh, the Ultraviolence of Nick Gage. The one dude we've been talking about, if you haven't checked out his work, you need to. Uh, Collision in Korea. That basically depicts what happened when WCW held the largest wrestling event in wrestling history. Um, Scott Norton basically narrates that. Uh, Becoming Warrior talks about the ultimate warrior and his little, you know, tidbits. In the Shadow of Grizzly Smith, that's Jake the Snake. And then the last one, Dynamite Kid. So if you haven't already done so, you can download each episode for $1.99 SD. For HD, it's $2.99 on iTunes. I don't know if Hulu has added the episodes for free, but when they do, it'll probably be till after the season is over. For this episode, folks, you can download us for free for now until we become rich and famous and all you, you know, promoters, bookers, and whatever want to book us, man, at WrestleCon, which I'm really aiming for be rival someday of our, you know, I wouldn't say cohorts, but lovely podcast competition. Not really. I mean, they are. They're way better. I mean, I don't know. Yes, I do know. Gilmark's podcast, there's so much more. You can catch our episode for free on iTunes is the point. Download us, share us, repeat us, promote us to your friends, book us at whatever you want to book us at. We will gladly be all ears for whatever questions you may have for us. Our Instagram handles are as follows. Russell underscore radio at Brian Rails uh, underscore Brian Rails on Twitter. And on Facebook, the good old-fashioned www.wrestleradionetwork forward slash facebook.com and for questions, comments, concerns to swell into the show it's 213-943-3422 you can tune in anytime you want uh, as long as it's not going to impede the process of the show or offend listeners or if you're not a wrestling fan please do not call in <laughs> I've had one gentleman calling about gun control Please do not do so. This show does not cater to political, religious, or sexuality viewpoints or opinions likeness thereof. All right? Only professional wrestling or occasional sports talk. Okay? We do occasionally talk sports here just to pass by. Long story short, folks, if you want to tune in, tune in. Please do so. We have 7,300 listens and counting. We thank the countries that listen to us, the United States, Latvia, Indonesia, Australia, Canada. Love you. We thank you for listening to us. Um, Pizza Simpson, is there any other send-offs you'd like to give the audience? Uh, you can just follow me on Instagram, Pizza Simpson, all one word. And, um, yeah, tune in next week. 
Tune in next week. We will be live on air, folks, on Friday for Off the Rails, Uncensored, and A Slice of Pizza. Thank you for joining us. Toodles, uh, bitches. The co-host and myself, <laughs> we got to work tomorrow. We got to sleep later. Toodles, bitches. Good night. Monkeys in the truck. You know the deal, right? No, for real. Hit the music. Music. Please, 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 diggers. Personality, the cult of personality.